Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Sunday, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. It's Sunday, February the 28th, 2016, our season finale show. We're your hosts. Hope everyone's doing well. How are you doing, team? What's going on? Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing good, Will. I miss you. doing good? Yes. I know you're doing good. I know you're doing good, <laughs> Miss, Miss, Miss Author. Congratulations. How does Thank it feel? You. I saw that you, you, you've you gotten some sales already. I started going yeah, download my good. copy. I know it does. Okay, I know okay. it does. Yeah, you, you can get a hard copy too now. The hard copies are there and ready for sale. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's, that was mm-hmm. fast. Okay. I know that's what's yeah. up. How's everybody weekend? Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. Great. What makes yes. it so awesome? Just, you know, just a lot of things that we have under development, just a lot of things that we're working on. So, you know, it's been great times with good friends, good business partners, and good ventures. So it's an amazing weekend. That's good. What about you, Mr. J? What's going on in North Carolina? Uh, Nothing much. Just, you know, working. You went to to CIAA? I did. I did attend the CIAA for a little bit. Um, Went to go see Patty LaBelle. Um, oh. It was really good, and then um, after that, I um, um, just went to a little um, a little gathering, a little party. I guess you want to say, I guess it's little. It was a lot of people there at the Westin, and it was fun. It was fun, you know. It's good to okay. see everybody. It's like a it's like a, a reunion almost. I have never had a chance to go to the CIAA. I always said that I wanted to go ever since I was at Norfolk State, but never had mm-hmm. a chance to go. Have you ever been? Anybody else ever been? No, I've missed them. You haven't? Oh, Mm-mm, I haven't attended any. I heard they're, they're a lot of fun, so I need to go check them out, but I haven't had yeah. them to the list yet. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, you'll have to do that. You need to go do your book signing a uh, book signing down there when you're for your, for your I, I, next I bring you with I'm going to bring you with me, then I'll sell a lot of books then. <laughs> you know, if I can finish my, I did email um, Angela, so we're scheduling yeah. hours now. Um, for during spring break, which is coming up um, the end of next week, so that's All good. Right. Yes, 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 yes. But as we know, um, tonight is our final episode for the season, and actually for a little bit, we're going to um, take a break. Everybody has um, been doing quite a lot. I've, I've, I've watched yeah. each of you um, branch off doing things. As we knew, we had always discussed that eventually things would get really busy. Um, so we're not saying goodbye, but we're going to we're going to take a break to attend to some other things. I know uh, one of our questions during the hot topics is um, during the the end of the year show we were talking about New Year's resolutions and things we wanted to accomplish for the new year. And I know I had stated that I was going to have to make some bold moves because it had to happen for me in 2016. I remember saying that, and I, I had to make a decision pretty much because the show is pretty as me and Alicia could, can attest to. Putting the show to and making it, making it go run smoothly is a lot of work. 
Um, <laughs> so I really had to decide whether um, I was going to continue to pour in this, because even though I love doing the radio, TV is really where I want to be. Um, so I had to decide whether I wanted to continue to, um, I guess, hone my skills on this part or to jump on into other avenues, where which was more in the market exactly. that I wanted to do. And I chose to do that. So I'm going to actually be doing an internship this spring. Um, we're wrapping up season one for the TV show. There's a second TV show that's coming on board, which is going to be similar to The View, which is going to be, I, I can't say too much about it, but it's going to be similar to The View, and I'm going to be the only male person on the panel. Um, so that's in the works. And then they're going to be signing, lining up for season two of Live with Christine, which is the show that we're wrapping up next week. So I, doing all that, I realized the show is something that I want to continue to do, but I just need to take a break from it now. And then when I do come exactly. back, I want to put it more and so into video format, which is something that anybody who wants to be involved can do directly from your the platform that I'm using. Um, we can, it's almost like a video conference screen. You know, we can also do our guest and everything through it. We can use and um, incorporate PowerPoint, video clips, anything we want to do. Um, so anyone who wants to continue with that once we come in, which will probably be late spring, approaching June, um, just let me know, and I'll be happy. Even if you want to come in as, like, a, uh, a guest, that would be fine. So with that being said, we do have a few hot topics. I know Alicia had approached us last night with something Lord that had kind of ticked, ticked her off. Yeah, What's you on? know. What's going on, boo? Ah. Uh. I, I don't know. You know, old people used to say, and, and of course we say old people because when you're young, everybody's an old person. <laughs> but, you know, when they talked about <laughs> now that you're older, it's like, no, no, 120 is old. You know, anything under that ain't too old. But, you know, they used to tell you to really look at the things in the world that are happening and the signs that are there and things like that. You know, so we're all probably anxious over this presidential election and what's going on here and there. But there was something that caught my eye. And, you know, the story was bad enough, but it was a comment that was made that I wanted to share. Um, It was in Anaheim, California, happened about a day ago. Three people were stabbed after a KKK rally um, in Anaheim turned violent. Mm -hmm. And as the story went, you know, the police officers, and they confirmed this on Facebook, they knew the rally was going to happen. You know, they were prepared for it. So there was going to be a walking protest. It was planned at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. And they had, you know, KKK has had similar rallies there before in the area as they do all over the U.S. and what have you. Um, But what happened is uh, the attacks began when a group of Klansmen pulled up to a vehicle. One of the protesters was stabbed in the chest with an eagle figure that was at the end of a flag. Now, he was transported to the local hospital in critical condition. Um, and then, you know, a block away, somebody else was stabbed. And then there was like a brawl where it was six Klan members against seven counter-protesters um, that were arrested. So all of these things happened. And the response was saying, you know, it wasn't uncommon for these groups to place their literature in the yards and driveways in the surrounding area immediately after these type gatherings. And, you know, of course, they're protected under the amendment. Um, to give away these documents and things. It's not really illegal. But one thing that got me was um, when the commentators were interviewing the police officer, the police officer made the statement, you may not agree with what they're doing, but their rights have to be protected as well. So I don't really think there's a question for that, um, but it just sort of hit me in the mind saying you guys are free to give your opinion. 
is that what's the problem with this world? Have we gotten so over inundated in trying to protect everybody's rights and trying not to step on anyone's toes mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, we don't offend this group and this group, that we have just forgotten basic common sense and the value yeah. of human life itself? Yeah. And I think to add to that, I think everybody's just really, really super sensitive right now. And a lot of oh, yeah. you know, for valid reasons in, in many cases, but I think a lot of mm-hmm. it is just everything is just people are on edge um, and just really mm-hmm. super, super, super sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's what does everyone crazy. else think? Yeah. Well, in my opinion, I'm okay with the KKK if they want to go pass around whatever they want to pass around and walk the street and say whatever ignorant thing they like to say, go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. My problem is, though, that we had a lovely person by the name of Beyonce do it on the Super Bowl. Oh, the reaction mm-hmm. was totally <laughs> different. So if we can have freedom of speech for the KKK, then we need That's to have freedom of speech for everyone. Everyone needs to be able to have that same mm-hmm. right to go say whatever they feel on their terms. Period. That's right. It can't just work for certain people. So if I'm going to go out and say Black Lives Matter, you want to go say Purple Lives Matter, well, knock yourself out. That's your choice. And I should be able to do it, and you should be able to do it too. But it's a double standard in our society. And that's why I think people are sensitive to it because we see these kinds of things happen for one race. And the response is very different. And then we mm-hmm. see it happen for another race, and there's a different response. And that causes right. people to be angry, to have rage, and feel mm-hmm. some type of way. And I'm one of them people. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh-huh. I still don't well. understand that, though. I don't understand any. The whole formation video, the whole outrage about that, and then, you know, you're talking about she's banned from the U.K., then other states are talking about, you know, when she comes here, we're not going to offer her security. I, I, I'm just, I don't get it. I don't get anything she black, that girl. she did. She, got, she black. She black. Well, that's, that's, I get she that promoted part. black people. She promoted <laughs> black people, and you can't do that. Not Beyonce. It's so stupid. No, they don't want you to do that. It's just so, so stupid. So they're banning her. But it's okay. Beyonce got plenty of money. I, I don't think that's that that too concerned about being banned <laughs> anywhere. Well, what did you guys think about um, Louis Farrakhan saying that they would actually provide her security? I expected uh-huh. that. Was good. I think that was definitely a, a, a good power move for him. And I, oh, yeah. I was expecting him to do that, actually, to say I that not. I'll come in and support you. I found it to be kind of funny, but then I also <laughs> thought that I expected him to do that. Because I don't, I don't see how Beyonce has an issue with paying someone to protect her, even if the mm-hmm. police all decided not to do it. As much as them tickets is, you can Girl, find yes, God. So, so I didn't see it being an issue, but I thought that was a good power move for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just after you told her to put her clothes on and told Jay-Z he need to make sure she's uh-huh. dressed up or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know what? To, just to branch, branch off this topic real quickly, um, in the salon, I think it was Saturday. Nate, by the way, Nate is not here because he's working with our pageantry division. He's in D.C. Yeah. with Yolanda. Um, but we were having a, a, a good conversation in the salon about, I guess, the black. I, I don't watch Blackish, but they had an episode about, um, I guess, the racism or something. It was something re- regarding racism going on. 
Um, and they brought up a good question. I was like, I think we discussed that on the show. She was like, well, did racism, did racism ever, like, die down some and it's making a resurgence, or are people Mm-mm. just really super sensitive right now? In my Ooh, opinion, from my observation and experience, it's just been morphed into different forms. I think people have become more brazen in what they're 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 saying. You know, they're very blatant now about the fact uh, that there's racial. Uh, what's the right word? That they're racist, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, so they, you were, know, so they, they had gotten better. They had gotten better in, in sugarcoating it and covering it up, but now they just don't care right. as much. And Which I is think, what one you know, lady said. Yeah, Obama, the whole, the whole, it, to me, and this is my opinion, it was an entire turn when he got into office. Because some people are just so blinded by their racism, their hatred, that they felt like this was their opportunity to just come out and speak what was their truth, what they mm-hmm. felt was correct. But all you did was show your bigotry. Whereas maybe in other terms, you know, you wanted to hide it or, you know, you didn't feel like you had something to speak out against that just showed us just how prejudiced and and how much of a bigot you are. But it was something about him going into office for some groups that just, oh, you were coming out with it. Just like you're clueless now of saying, oh, well, you need to wait until we elect the next president for you to replace the judge. Exactly. Who does that? And you're not going to tell me that's not racially motivated. But for you, it's not. We're just making a simple mm-hmm. simple request. Uh, what does everybody else think? I think another thing is that we have this social media now where anybody can pull out a phone and record what's going on. And because we have that instant ability to see injustice, mm. it's becoming a conversation that we're having more often. Because there was a this issue with police brutality was a problem years ago. But Mm -hmm. we didn't have the access to pull out this phone and just record. And in recent years, we've been able to record all these different things that people are doing and share it mainstream really quickly. Post it on Mm -hmm. Twitter. Post it on your Facebook page. And then thousands, hundreds of thousands of people get to witness the struggle that individuals are dealing with. So I think social media has helped bring some of the issues that we have to the present, to the mainstream, and that's why we're having these discussions. That's why you're hearing these issues all the time on TV mm-hmm. because we can see it. It's in front of your face all the time. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Anybody have anything anything to add to that, Jay or Liz? No? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's move on. So I know last year, you remember Bruno I think it was, no, not Bruno Mars. It was um, Robin Thicke and Pharrell. They were being sued by Marvin Gaye's um, mm. family for the, mm-hmm. the copyright infringements to, um, for Blurred Lines. What was the song that Marvin Gaye did? I forgot. Whatever the yeah, song that they, had sampled, that they had sampled. <laughs> it was um, another one well, that was real popular around that time, too, though. Right. Or something else. I can't remember. Right. Can't remember well, back Back in the news now, um, Bruno Mars' song, Uptown Funk. Um, Angie Stone, she had a girl hip-hop group back um, back when, and they said that they had created a song which basically um, Bruno Mars stole from. So I'm going to play you a clip, and then we're going to talk about it. To me, well, I'll let you know what I think once I play it. So we're going to play a 
song clip for you guys, and I want you to listen to it and just ask yourself, does it sound familiar at all? That is a 1979 song called Funk You Up by the hip-hop girl group The Sequence. And yes, that is Angie Stone. She has been around for a long time. If you answered the 1995 song Keep Their Heads Ringing by Dr. Dre, congratulations. you thought the 90s were great. But yes, that was sampled in the Dr. Dre song. But the group's representation, Kaylee Boyer, is also trying to argue that the song Uptown Funk sounds a little bit like it too. So much so that it qualifies as copyright infringement. Boyer claims that the hook to both songs are pretty much identical. I'm not so sure about it, but what do you guys think? I mean, I'm sure there have been plenty of people over the years that have been like, wow, the word funk kind of looks like a swear word. It's one letter off. But let's see what some of the people said. Gal Butler. Okay. So what do you think? Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, I, I think it's like that one. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's, I mean, it can, but it does. So, I mean... I feel like if they if they won the blurred lines, then they're most more than likely gonna win this one because this one sounds a lot more alike than the blurred lines to me sounded the, to the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But blurred lines, they 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 actually comment. They went back to court for blurred lines. They we had they mm-hmm. haven't talked about it, but they've gone back to court for that because Pharrell says no, you're not getting no money out of me. Okay. Oh, for real. Oh I wow! I, I didn't know I that. I, I don't. I didn't either. Yeah, they go, they, yeah, he's he's trying to he's he's basically saying no. I'm, we're going to go back to court because I don't. This is this is my work, you know. Hmm. And, and you have to understand that over the years, it's just ama- it, it amazes me how, as black artists, we we come at each other for saying, oh, we stole something from somebody. But mm-hmm. they realize that that so many white artists stole stuff from us for so many well, years. I mean, Freak. at the end of the and we never had no rights to it whatsoever. So I mean, mm. I I didn't really hear it in that song. I heard the bass line. I mean, that that you know that that main beat, but you can hear that in any song. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of songs That's I hear things I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds like something. It sounds like mm-hmm. a song, but they recycle bass lines and and, and rhythms right. and melodies so much that you really mm-hmm. don't even know. It really just current music sounds. So much alike. It's just right. Everything sounds alike anyway. So I mean, Angie, I love her to death, but she might need to take a seat. Mm. <laughs> and she was stated they had an interview with her, and she was saying that um, during some type of oh, it was uh, I want to say um, what was the name of that magazine that one of the black magazines I forgot it used to be real big, a big magazine, Vibe. I think Vibe magazine. There was an interview when they were talking about Uptown Funk, and um, Bruno Mars had actually credited them. Um, mm. for the song, yeah, but now no, he's he not. Yeah, and Ooh. now he's not. She said that she had a link to it somewhere. I think they were interviewing her on TMZ because somebody had made a comment on the talk, and I think the people were saying that she were she was being um, petty and blah 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 blah. So mm. she, that was her her um comment to that. But yeah, but my okay. question is like, who who is who is responsible for making sure the litigation part of Borrowing or, or sampling music, like there's got to be somebody at the label that's responsible for doing those things. 
You know, mm. I mean, as a producer, yeah. if you're in the studio, you know, you have to take that to the actual executive, and he listens and samples the songs and the albums before he actually puts it out. I mean, I would think that he would have heard something. I mean, I don't know. Right. It, just, it sounds like that's a label issue more than anything. Right, and that's exactly what she labels. said. She said that, yeah. she, said that mm. she, had, she didn't have a problem with Bruno Mars. She thought he was talented. She loved him, blah, blah, blah. But she was like, such and such, shame on you because you knew better or something like that. So, yeah, that you're, mm-hmm. you're definitely right. There's somebody who's supposed to be in charge of, I guess, those fine-tuning, making sure all those areas are correct or covered. But evidently they slipped in this part. But are you guys ready for um, President Trump? Because you know well, he could, possibly, he could possibly be your president. And you know what my possibility oh, is? Well, you know what my possibility what is? is? is Alicia Brown has been working overtime, boo, because I told y'all, <laughs> I have stepped up my business game, multiple streams of income, because I'm going to put my little duckies together. And when they announce that it's looking like he's about to win, oh, I got me at least one country. Y'all want me to cover stuff in your country? Tell you what, make get my house ready. Cousin, mm. somebody, y'all get my house ready because I'm coming to you. The moment it looked like Trump won't win. Because here's right. the thing, people. When Donald Trump get in office, if he get in office, the Mexicans going first. He not already told you that. He mm-hmm. going to get rid of all the Mexicans. But I want you not to get comfortable. Because when right. you see him shipping them somewhere, y'all going next. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want to yeah. make this disclaimer, too. If he get in office, white people, not they not safe. Y'all think you safe. But most of y'all that think you got some money, to Donald Trump, most of y'all are still poor. So he's going to yeah. get rid of y'all, too. But y'all just going to be mm-hmm. late. So just think about that. And, and as you'll hear in this clip, they're undereducated, too. So oh, yeah, because everybody is educated compared to him and his group. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to play a clip. I'm not going to play all of it, but just so that oh, you can Lord. hear some of the things about your, your upcoming president. Does he talk? You got to hand it to Donald Trump. Your green card, that is. You're getting deported. What's that? You were born in this country? Details. A YouGov Economist poll found that 20% of Trump supporters, for you math majors out there, that's one in five, do not agree with the Emancipation Proclamation. For you AP U.S. history kids out there that haven't gotten that far in the book, that's the document that freed slaves in the Confederate States during the Civil War. Now, Trump himself has never actually said anything about the Emancipation Proclamation. In fact, he supposedly has a fantastic relationship with the blacks. Because if the blacks love anything, it's having their entire identity reduced to the color of their skin. However, labeling all Mexicans as rapists and wanting to ban all Muslims from the United States seems to have struck a pretty intolerant chord with this nation's mouth-breathing set. Case in point, South Carolina, where Trump won by a massive margin. And it's also where a full third of his supporters support barring gays and lesbians from entering into this country. Meanwhile, a whopping third of overall Trump voters say that interning Japanese people during World War II was a good idea. Keep that in mind the next time you see your problematic relatives posting about Trump on Facebook. But again, so much of this is the result of Trump talking such a big game about keeping America for the Americans. Meanwhile, a New York Times investigation found that his club Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach had sought hundreds of visas for foreign workers while simultaneously turning away hundreds of American workers who wanted to do the exact same job. Presumably, since the foreign people probably work for less money. Of course, this probably isn't going to cause any backlash from Trump supporters, since, you know, they don't really have a very intimate relationship with, you know, facts or truth or anything of that nature. After all, many of them are poorly educated and Trump 
loves that about them. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. Let's take a look at what some people had to say. Tamika Jackson. Okay. So. Yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of scary okay. to him. You're that just stupid. Still... <laughs> you're just stupid. I'm sorry. I, I hate to call people stupid, but baby, you're just stupid. Oh, okay, could somebody correct me here because I didn't understand that? Since when did he have an ad against homosexuals? I didn't, I didn't know that part. Oh, of course. I, I don't know. I, 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 I hadn't heard that either, but I'm not surprised. I didn't I hear him come out like that. I wouldn't say there's oh, one God. group that he's embracing. So it well, no. Amer- uh, America does not like the games, period. Let's just keep it real. Yeah, but most of them for a presidential election are smart enough to say that you do so you can get the Not a up. Republican, though. Oh, that's true. Never mind. Absolutely. Now, they're very conservative. They, homosexuality is not conservative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. No, honey, they closeted mm. conservative because, you know, in public you conservative, but behind closed doors, no, you're not. But I'm going to leave that alone. Well, that's a lot going on behind closed doors. I mean, come on now. Let's that's be true. real, but I mean, hey. Line, 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 line. We ain't got nobody. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> y'all better get y'all a little picket sign and get out there and uh, be a presidential candidate. I'm going to need all of y'all to go on ballot. Yes. You know, I am, the, I am not, not accepting that he's going to be my president, and I'm not going no damn way. Oh, okay. <laughs> So that's just what that's going to be. He can say whatever he likes. Nicki Minaj said, she said she's moving to whatever city he is moving to, and she's going to continue to call him president. (laughs) Who, Barack? (laughs) That's what Nicki Minaj said, yeah. Okay, I'll be right there with you, Nicki, girl. Come on now. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All yes, right, yes, yes. so so let's move on from Trump because that was hilarious. I just had to laugh. Um, he <laughs> likes the ignorant people, so we're going to move on past the ignorant people. Uh, <laughs> almost about three months ago, we shared our New Year's resolutions, and that was like during the end of the year show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to know from all of you, what have you completed and what are you still working on? How far have you gotten so far? Well, evidently you have been on the on the run. Congratulations again, you and Alicia both. Um, Lord, I let everybody else go. Who, how, Jay? What have you been doing, buddy? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I was on that show. I don't think I was on that show. Did yes, I you were. Resolution. Oh, yeah. Well, that was wow. the show that we were talking about. You know, our goals for the new year and the things about that we learned this past year. You had some. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So about resolutions, I don't think I, I don't really think I, I don't really think I made any. I think I just kind of was just like, you know, I'm just gonna go with the flow and just keep doing what I need to do. Just keep my eye on the prize. Um, okay. It's been a slow, it's been a slow new year. I will say that. Like January, February has been slow. So you know, we're, we're getting there. You know, but with the year is promising. It's just. It's moving along pretty slow. If we could be, if I could do the new year over, I would. But right now, okay. it's moving kind of slow. But I mean, you know, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Okay. Mm. What about you, Liz? All right. Um, trying to think of what, <laughs> what goals I came up with, but I have been hitting some goals. Uh, and I have some things in the works. So you know, just staying low, staying out of trouble, and. 
letting things come into their own. So I'm doing pretty okay. good. I think for what goals I may think I have made, I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Okay, okay for me, um, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Go no, ahead. no, no, go ahead. Okay, um, for mine, I think as far as ending the show, well, not, I won't say ending the show, but um, taking the hiatus was the biggest, hardest decision for me because it's something that we've done for a while and that I knew that was working. It was pretty much my, my entry into the media um, mm-hmm. sector. So um, I knew it was something that I needed to do, but because it was like a security thing, something that I've been doing, people have learned our names from it. I was afraid to let it go until um, the first person who pushed me towards it was Anderson Cooper when I went. He was saying that um, when he graduated, he was trying to get into the area that he's working in now, and because he thought because of who his mom was, there was going to be a shoe-in. And he was like, he couldn't Mm -hmm. even get a job stapling papers. So what he had to do was he had to create his own opportunity. He said he bought camera equipment, mm-hmm. and then he took a vacation overseas and just started shooting different events. And that's pretty much CNN found him after he created his mm-hmm. own opportunity. So I learned that, and then Nikki had this long heart-to-heart with me one night because um, I was just, like, feeling down a whole bunch of stuff. And it was just like, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like just getting a regular job, quote, quote, regular job. Um, and just doing that way. And she was just like, no, and she was giving this long lecture. And then she said uh-huh. something that, that was very um, similar to what Anderson Cooper had said. So I, I decided that, you know, I had to let go of what was safe and what was familiar and step uh-huh. out on faith. And that's pretty much what I'm doing with um, going into this different sector that I'm great about, about to step into. Um, so uh-huh. doing that was like my first goal. And then also um, continuing, my weight loss is coming along really good. Um, the surgery has kind of set me back, so I'm actually thinking I'm going to have to withdraw from school this semester because I've gotten mm. I've gotten really it's a bad time because we're in midterms now, so I've missed like oh, midterm exams. Um, so I'm thinking I'm going to have to do that, but that's not all bad because now I can really concentrate on to um, the shows and stuff for March. Right. Um, and then again, when I talk to Angela next week, um, hopefully getting in and writing these books getting them done mm-hmm. so that I can actually get them out. So that I can join Alicia's and um, <laughs> Danielle's club of adding authors okay. to my name. Yeah, so All everything right, is coming. Yeah. Like in, in God's timing, everything is coming along. Yes. Um, yes. I'm still excited for what 2016 has to offer for me. Amen. What, about, what were you going to say, Alicia? No, we're pretty much on the same wavelength there. Um, but I, if I'm remembering correctly from the show, one thing that was really pressed upon me and, and – God has a way when he gets your attention to say things loud and clear. And if you're going to be hard-headed, trust me, you will be down on your butt until you do what he said. And one of the things he made very clear in December, um, probably November too, but December is when I really acted on it, for a lot of the goals and dreams I had, in order for you to accomplish that and have what you want in 2016, there are things you're going to have to let go. Um this show was one of them. I knew that was coming. Um, but, you know, I'm like you, Will. You know something that you've worked towards, you've worked in. So it's a little bit hard to disconnect so quickly when you know it's been something you've been working on. But yet the premise was still there. There are some things that you were designed to do. There are purpose. There are goals that you have. So when something is your purpose, it's not something that goes away. So you're going to have to clear your plate of some things so that you can be open to receive other things. Um, So there were different things that I had to let go. There's different things I had to phase out, and, you know, certain things happen in phases. You know, certain things you don't just drop today. Other things you do. Exactly. um, 
I did that. And I had things phased out, but I also had to think about, you know, first quarter, second quarter goals, year goals. And what was so beautiful, um, there's been so much that has been happening. I, I don't talk about everything, but there's so many doors that have opened for things that, for me, I envisioned them happening maybe a few years down the pike. And God just was like, no, it's it's right now. So there's a lot of things, a lot of extensions, a lot of ventures, a lot of things that have are put in motion now, and paperwork signed, everything, and every provision has been made. And it just goes back to the same thing, you know, your purpose, your dreams, your goals. But when your purpose is tied to something that enriches someone else's life, that makes your community better, that makes a difference, you have to pursue that. And you're going to have right. to let some things go because you don't want your hand in everything but be the master of nothing. Um, so that that's pretty much everything that we have said for that New Year's show. Um, accomplished it and actually accomplished some things faster than projected. Um, so that, that has been good. amazing. Yeah, it's been an amazing experience. But, you know, it's for God's glory. It's for his purpose that he's created in me. And more importantly, it's, it's obedience. Obedience, you've got to be obedient because you don't want to be one of those people that do a little bit of everything, but you're just worn out and exhausted because you can't keep going that way. And I was at that point last year. You just can't keep going at this speed. You're doing a lot of great things, but you can't execute the way you want to execute unless you make some pivotal decisions to let certain things go and then forge ahead in other things. And you know what, Just to piggyback on that, I think in, especially when you're not on purpose, when you're not necessarily working in the realm where you should be, sometimes when you're actually working in your divine purpose, God will give you the energy to do things that you really can't understand how you're having the energy to do it. But um, right. you're definitely right. Having too many irons in the stove can definitely wear you out and prevent you from doing mm-hmm. the stuff that you actually need to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Danielle, did you want to comment on it? We have Pastor well, Darren Phelps, who is on the line. Yeah, I'm going to be short and sweet, very okay. short and sweet. So mine was visibility and make more money, and I'm doing okay. both of them things. Yes, you are. Because failure is not an option. So I'm, Come on rocking. Now. I'm three months in, and I've still got how many more months to go? I don't even know. About nine. Nine more to make more money and be visible. Baby, visitable. you two months and in. So two I'm, months, I'm going to make it happen. Make it happen. Ain't that the third month yet? I know almost, that's right. <laughs> well, on the line field. we have we have Pastor Darren Phelps, who's of course friend to the show. He's going to come on yes. tonight's show yes. is all about those answers that you always struggle with. You know, whether you should pay your tithes, pay your bills, Uh-oh. other things that always um, perplex you when it comes to what's right or what's wrong, um, according to the Bible and to God. So he's going to be here to share his insight yes. on you know Bible answers for life's questions. So we're going to take a very, very, very quick break, and yes. then we're going to come back with Pastor Darren Phillips. So hold on. We'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Face It. Hi, this is Terry Cruz, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. 
And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Touch DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Everyone, welcome back to Let's Face It Radio. Our first guest that we have on the line tonight, I'm so excited to just hear his responses on the questions that we're about to bombard him with. Um, he is the founder and senior pastor at Bethel Christian Church in Washington, D.C. Please help us please help us welcome back to the show, Pastor Darren Phelps. How are you, Pastor? How are you, Darren? Good evening, everyone. Hello. Good evening. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful, absolutely wonderful. How are you all? I've been listening to the show and sitting here and rocking with you guys. All right, there. <laughs> yes, we're we're excited to have you on. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, Pastor, I'm going to start off and just hit you with the question that I'm just dying to ask, and I'm just waiting oh. for your response. Oh, Lord. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm re- I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready because I'm ready. How well, we'll get ready together. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> how do you feel about those who 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 have bills to pay, their finances are low, but they still need to tithe? Do you think that it's a, it is a mandatory requirement when there's no money in the bank and the bills are due? How do you mm. feel about that? So first, let me give a shout-out to Bethel Christian Church of D.C. I love you all, and I know... It's been a long day. We had ordination of deacons, and your pastor is tired, but I am here, and I know you all are tired as well, but we had a wonderful day. But I love Will, and I even love the rest of y'all on this call, too, so no one else can pull me out of my nap time. Amen? Okay, <laughs> now. Let me yeah. be clear, Alicia. Amen. Oh, I love you, too, Alicia. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, so you ask an interesting question, and let me give you some context. First of all, Uh, In my theology and my relationship with God, while they both sometimes compete for attention, theology and relationship with God, um, that I believe, first of all, we're supposed to be tithers and we're supposed to be givers. It's a part of our worship experience. Mm -hmm. It's a part of what we know that both God has mandated and created for us to be able to be a part of our worship experience. Now, your question goes a little bit deeper about if folks ain't got no money and they don't have any mm-hmm. money. Well, if you ain't got no money, you can't give. <laughs> well. Amen. And then the church has done such a poor job in making people feel guilty when mm-hmm. either they, number one, and let me roll back this stuff because, Lord, I don't know who's listening, but I will tell you this. I'm not really worried in the sense of, you know, you have to pay X amount of dollars to be in, in a certain 
role in church, and if you don't pay, I know churches where you got to bring your 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 papers. You know, you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about. And, and, uh-huh. and certify to serve. Amen. I'm glad uh-huh. we don't do that foolishness at Bethel. People yeah. give according to their relationship with God first, and then mm-hmm. they give according to their worship experience with God and the church. And they also give according to the vision of the house. Because the folks don't believe in any of those things. I don't care what you do. I can do cartwheels and have clowns on saying, give, give, give. This is a wonderful experience. It ain't going to happen. Now, the other question is, is people can, when they're having those moments and those seasons where the cash flow, because you're talking to somebody who has been both poor and broke at the same time, but I know that God still loves me. You can have the ability to still give in other ways. And there are people at Bethel who blesses the house both financially and with their boots or their pumps on the ground. They, they do both. But then mm-hmm. there's opportunities for us to also give in our tithes and our giving. So when you go into the Old Testament, the first fruits were of their land and their people and the cattle and things like that. It wasn't an exchange necessary of monetary value. It's whatever they had, basically. And then you move into the New Testament, then people exchange. You know, you see the widow, the, uh, the woman who gave of her last, and Jesus got excited over that and said she gave out of her worship. Amen. Uh-huh. And so really, it's about your personal walk. But... I really would be concerned if I was in the church and the church mandated it or they made you feel guilty or ostracized huh. you or they made it as a prerequisite to serve in any capacity according to your giving capabilities. Matter of fact, I don't even know half of what folk give. I know the things happen. I trust the folks who are in, in line and in order at the church. We have faithful stewards and people who do that work. And I'm not one of those pastors. I don't know if you've been to church where they say, tell me what the offering was. And then they yeah. go mm-hmm. five and two offerings. I yes. promise you that won't ever happen at Bethel as long as I'm the pastor of Bethel Christian Church. Was. Okay. My God. I promise right. you that won't happen. I promise you that. That's a one. That's one good way to get on my B A D side. Side bad Ooh. side. I promise. You. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully right. that answers your question. Amen. It did. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a, a a question that sort of touches on that one. I just want to know your opinion, Pastor Phelps. Yeah. If, if you found out that one of your parishioners won the lottery and they actually gave an offering based on their lottery winnings, would you accept it or would you return it? I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the problem would be in, in receiving someone's offering because, again, they're worshiping God. There are people who are working in egregious conditions, working in places that they're unhappy, they're miserable, uh, there are people in my journey in ministry who were drug addicts and prostitutes who sowed a seed and asked for prayer. It is not my job to judge where the money came from and how it came. People get to decide how they live sometimes, and then sometimes they don't. But the reality is this. Our house, when people come in, I say our house, Bethel's house, amen. When people come in, they're giving because they believe in the vision. It goes right back to the pieces they have. 
So mm-hmm. my concern would be more if you won the lottery and you were a faithful member and you believe God and you were here faithfully and doing the things and then you, you went nuts so and you started doing some crazy behavior and started mm-hmm. doing stuff. Amen. That would cause me more concern than someone saying, I pay my tithes, I pay my bills, my family's taken care of, and Pastor, I want to bless the house, amen, and want to take care of the ministry. I believe that God can use anything, because, I mean, after all, there are some of us on this call right here. we got a history, and we got stuff yep. sitting around us right now that you can't tell yeah. that God can use. So you were going to tell me that God would take the lottery money or the money you won, wherever it is, and say you can't use that for the house of the Lord? I, I, got, I, I have issues with that, because, you know, it turns into a judgmental uh, conversation, and I and, and that's not my job as a pastor. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you. Thank you. So, Pastor Darren, this is Will. So I know we and I have discussed a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm talking to you today. They were fired up okay. today at Bethel. Lord Jesus, uh, but, but don't blame me. I'm punchy. Blame the Bethel folks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, but I, I enjoy, and I thank I thank them all for tuning in. Um, I yeah. see that they're here in, in a large number, so I appreciate all of your followers for tuning in. But I want to you, know, you and I have discussed, you know, I've, I've been Kochuk, I've been Baptist, I've been non-denominational. Um, and just when it comes to praying, everybody on this line, all of our co-hosts, we just talked about the things that we prayed for for the new year. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of people have been doing a lot of praying, but I've, I've always been taught two different things. I taught, you know, when you pray for something for God, you pray about it and you leave it alone. Or I heard you pray and you keep praying. You keep praying the same thing. Um, and then when I when I was doing that, I was show, told told that I was showing that I was um, lack of faith, lack of belief that mm-hmm. you heard me the first time. So mm-hmm. what, is, what is what is your insight on that when you pray for something? Wow, pray that, that's the bone? a powerful question, Will. You know, the reality mm-hmm. is that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We should always have a posture of prayer, whether you're walking, talking, you bow down, whatever it is. Let me be very mm-hmm. clear about that. You pray by yourself, you pray with others out loud, silently, all of those pieces. I think that's very important. Uh, the scripture teaches us both. It really does. Uh, there are scripture references that says that if you seek, you shall find. But then there is this in-between period, and Bethel is going through this in our Lenten season. And how we wait on God, how we learn to listen and be patient and, and have this sense of uh, a lack of anxiety, you know, why we are waiting how do we develop uh, endurance as God is working on our behalf? So here's a couple of things that I certainly use in my own life, and I know the folks that are around me understand this. First, I'm going to bombard heaven and put a command on heaven with everything. I just absolutely believe that because God will connect with the things that are in us. And when you see something and you believe it is for you, so let's say, well, you want your toe to be healed. You know, you just really need that thing to be healed and down and reconciled. Well, that thing is going to keep giving you pain. And so you're going to need to focus on that and say, God, I'm believing you. When you get up in the morning, when you're walking, you're going to be claiming your victory over that peace. Amen. But then when you know it's time to let it go and not praying about it is when you have that word called peace. When you know that God's got it, there's a different shift that happens yeah. in your mind and in your relationship yeah. with God. Because you'll get to the point where, God, I've said it enough and I've talked about it enough, and now mm-hmm. you have peace and you're trusting God to work on this thing, that it doesn't require you to keep speaking about it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's when you shift 
from still believing. And then I take that thing that I prayed about. I don't put it in my back pocket. I don't put it in my drawer under my bed. I sit it in the forefront of where I'm going because Hmm. I'm going to be looking now. I may not be praying about it and lifting it up all the time, but I am looking at that thing to see how God's going to answer that prayer request. Amen. Come on, Pastor. The reality is for us is that we want God to do everything for us, but we don't do stuff for ourselves. So mm. when we are praying, we've got to be in posture, we've got to be in position, we've got to work. Yes. I remember I upset somebody, and sometimes I do that. Imagine that, Alicia, I get somebody upset. <laughs> <laughs> job, I want a job. And I said, well, when's the last time you, you look for a job? Well, I and there, and they started mm. making I say, well, something's wrong with this picture. I need to tell you that. And I, I just sort of slanted my head to the right and to the left because if you ain't got no job, then your job is to be looking for a job. Amen. Thank you. Right. Now, Amen. that is you said than not. But you give God something to work with. See, I'm not going to just pray and then go back in the bed, get up and say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord <laughs> you know. That, that, that's not going to happen, you see. But when I get up, I'm going to say, God, I'm going here to this library. My Internet's turned off. My power's turned off. I ain't even got a phone. But I'm going to the library. I don't care who sees me. And I'm going to get me a job. I'm going to work on that thing. And then yeah. I go and treat myself to lunch or go see my friends and I get peace. You see how that works? Because I've yeah. something about it. I participated in it. I prayed about it, but I'm also allowing the peace of God to happen. And those are the things that must happen in relationship with God in our prayer life. Hmm. All right. Hey, Pastor Darren, this is Liz. Hey. Hey, so I have a quick question. Um, And this is something, actually, that I've always wanted to know, because I grew up in the Kojic Church, and one thing that – our pastor always said it was tithe, tithe, tithe. But does uh-huh. all of our tithes have to go to the church, or can part of it go to a Christian ministry or another goodwill service? Mm, interesting question. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, when I read Malachi, and I read that text again in Malachi 3, it says bring it to the storehouse. So that huh? there's, so you have what you need in the storehouse because <laughs> It even says, test me and prove. Why are you robbing me? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there's food. See, I don't know about you, but I like to eat. I like to get what God has for me. I don't know. Well. I don't want to limit God. I want to bring everything that God has given me. I want to bring back the things in worship back to the Lord's house. Now, I do want to tell you, I do understand that there are other places that will minister to you, and those are called, and let me be very clear, they're the difference from sacrificial offerings and giving offerings to your tithe. Your tithe belongs to God. Your tithe belongs to the body in which you are worshiping in and connecting. You can give offerings and sow seeds to other people. So we cannot uh, 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 miscategorize uh, what you're doing. What we should be doing is blessing other ministries and other experiences that bless us. I am a part of membership organizations, things like that. I give them, but they ain't getting my tithe. Amen. Hmm. They're getting a love gift. They're getting a donation. Trust me. They didn't save my soul and wake me up in the morning. They they don't have access to that. Hmm. <laughs> Amen. All right. I, I say it to the Lord. Amen. Hello. Hmm. So that's about the relationship. So you certainly can do that, but it's not about dividing. It's not about making a choice. 
you making uh, an additional sacrificial giving to those other places that bless you and encourage you and strengthen you in your life. Amen. And, and let me let me say this. I know that money becomes a problem with some folks, not saying that you have a problem with money, but really it should not be a problem because if we just sow and give according to the way that we want to give. See, I teach the folks at Bethel that, number one, uh, before you can get to tithing, you've got to be, and some preachers on the phone are going to really cringe when I say this, you've got to be a consistent giver. You've got to move to the place where you move to tithing, because for some people that is a stretch. And then in some places we've been in churches where they have misused our tithe. I don't know about you, but I've been in churches mm. that God have mercy. They've been having a building fund for the last 50 years. Ain't nothing been built. I'm just now one Oh, let me, I'm trying to behave myself. I just, you know, it ain't nothing been built. Amen. But we, we're having a building fund. Something's wrong with that. And then if you're not showing evidence of the fruits of the gifts in the house, see, that's why mm. the folk at Bethel don't mind giving and sowing seeds because they see evidence. Amen. Right. I don't get Come paid. On, folks don't get paid. We, we put evidence, you see. We show evidence. So mm. it only helps and encourages people. You're sowing in the right place. Amen. Okay. Yeah. And I like that. I like that because that question, whenever I had that question that Liz asked, why I checked myself, my, my real issue was where I was sowing my seed at. That's and right. Like you said, sometimes it won't evidence of what you said we 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 collecting for or whatever. So that was my cue. I got to seek the Lord be like, do I need to be here or what have you? And, and Alicia, if I interrupt you real quickly, you also have to ask for forgiveness for those places. Because some of that, if you're like me, I have been angry in my past where I've sown seeds and people misused my gift. They misused the things that I gave according to my belief. Hello, somebody. So you got you gotta you gotta dig deep on that because you don't want the next place that you land that's trying to do the things that God's calling them to do and they're struggling and you sitting there with a million dollars in your pocket or a million dollars of gifting. Amen. They're not necessarily Amen. financial gifts because of what the other folk did to you. Amen. Get over okay. that past relationship that didn't work. You ain't in it no more. Oh come oh, on. Oh my God. <laughs> See, he always take us me. I love it. Pastor Phelps, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be right unless I ask you this question. Because oh, I got, yeah, it's one of them. I got so, I loved you on this episode. But, boy, this was the question that all the church folks had me ask you. They want me to come back with this question. Uh-huh. You had said on a previous show that there were numerous examples of homosexual relationships in the Bible. And I believe on that particular episode, you referenced in particular the relationship between Jonathan and David. Yes, well. Can you give I other did. examples? <laughs> Can you I give did. I called it out. I did. I see, that's the well, thing about me, why we love you. You're not scared of nothing. Oh, what no. I, I, listen, let me tell you a long time ago, and, and, my, and our bishop said it before, I have learned a long time ago to not let angry, unfulfilled, People uh, decide how I live and I show up. Okay, now I got right. I learned a long time ago. All right. So, so, so let me help you a little bit, and I'm gonna give you some. How much time do I have, by the way? Do I got at least ten minutes? Five minutes? No, you got a while. You have a while. Just okay. All right. I'm just checking. 
I don't want you muting me. That's happened to me before in my past. <laughs> All right. So, so, so let me give you some context, and trust me, we're going somewhere today. Um, okay. So in First Samuel, uh, there's a story that tells about Saul, and Saul was king, and he was the the uh, he gave uh, birth. Well, he didn't give birth, but he fathered the son named David. And you know, David was a shepherd boy, all of these things. We we went through all of these kinds of conversations. So I'm referencing, you know, First uh, Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Let me read it for you, and we're going to take a little walk. Amen? Okay. So when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. David, I mean, Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Lord have mercy, Lord Jesus. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Lord Jesus, that sounds like a love connection. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm giving you everything I have, and then I'm going to expose myself, and I don't need you to meet me. I need you to stay right here. Anybody know? Now, Bethel, so close your ears, because, you know, man, close your ears. Bethel, so just close your ears. That sounds like a hookup to me, Lord Jesus, that's... That's what that sounds no, no. like. That sounds like I need you to stay right here. Amen. Because our souls are connecting. You you did something to me. You awakened something internal. You start talking about my soul. This is not on the surface. This is some real stuff. Amen. Then you get into the rest of the story, and you can see where Saul began to shame Jonathan's mother because of her nakedness. But even though in the midst of this, you don't see any shame of the nakedness that happened before. So I'm going to move you now to 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verses 41 and 42. See, I was ready for y'all today. The text says this. <laughs> David rose up from beside the stone heap and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He bowed three times, and they kissed each other and wept with each other. David wept the more. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since both of us have sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. He got up and left, and Jonathan went into the city. Lord, have mercy. They keep making these covenants, Lord, have mercy, and these relationships. Even when I'm away from you, ain't nothing going to separate us, and I'm going to wish you. So David went on in hiding just to give you some context, and, uh, and then Jonathan eventually was killed in battle. So get, it, get this now. Are you telling me my boo gets killed in battle? That's some deep stuff that even in the midst of this, that you find in the text, you keep reading through all of this in the text, and you find this happens. So here I'm going to now jump to Second Samuel, chapter 1, verse 23, verses 26 and 27. Go ahead, okay. Pastor. You're doing all right today by me. <laughs> Saul and Jonathan, and I do this at church too, so that's what folks got to crack it up. Saul and Jonathan, let me read that text again, Second Samuel. 
chapter 1, verses 23, 26, and 27. Are you right? Here's where we get this. This is about the love that he shared for Jonathan. David's love for Jonathan was greater. Listen to this. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life, in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain upon the high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Now get this piece. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of a woman. Lord Jesus, have mercy. <laughs> Did y'all get that? Do I need to say anything else? I don't know if I need to say anything else, I think. I think I think I done said a whole lot right through there. What y'all think? Well, yeah, let me ask you this, because the question was as well: What other examples would you say of this same type of love in the scripture? Sure. So you got Jonathan, you got Ruth and Naomi, you got the other folks in the biblical text that you can actually find that's going on in those relationships that that happens in love. But I walked you through Jonathan because that is just one of those examples where coming in a relationship and they made love and they did all these kinds of things to to confirm and solidify their relationship that they had. Amen? You can make a, a strong argument about a lot of different things. But one thing I will tell you this. Alicia, is there's nowhere in the New Testament, somebody needs to point it to me because I've spent hours and days and years even trying to find where Jesus said, same gender loving folk or gender non-conforming folk, I hate you or you should not be who you are. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm just... I'm just, I'm just sort of saying that. As a matter of fact, let me do this real quick. Let me, let me go to this because I need to help my transgender folks and my gender nonconforming folks. Let me, let me take another okay. walk because why we talk about love between one another, we also have to do this other piece, if you don't mind, about being born who we are. It's not a lifestyle. Let me, you, this is another thing. You should start keeping a list of things that would really bother Pastor Darren W. Phelps is saying, oh, I choose, or it's my lifestyle. Now, those, those, are, those are words that will send me into a place that I try not to be in, amen? Just so I didn't choose to be. I'm glad I see it as a gift of being who I am. I'm a same gender-loving, out, proud, African-American man. I do a lot of things. My sexuality is just a sliver of who God made me to be. Okay. But here's the thing. Matthew chapter 19, verses 10 to 12 we're going to do some education in here because okay. here's where we need to get to. I don't have time because I know in Matthew 19, Jesus deals with divorce and all these kinds of things and other conversations. But there are eunuchs, amen, who were born a certain way. So the text says in Matthew 19, verses 11 and 12, this is what it says. It says, not everyone can accept this teaching but only those to whom it is giving. For there are eunuchs who have been sold from birth, Lord Jesus, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. So you 
start thinking about this, absolutely, it is apparent that people in, in this text is talking about being castrated and the removal of one's genitals and testicles and all those kinds of things. But the reality is, is that when you dig deep in this text, you see where there were people who had changed in the loving attack, you know, tendencies, and what is considered normal and natural were things that God identified. Jesus said these words in the text. Let me tell you something also. If you dig a little deeper in the Jewish culture and you start having some conversation, there's a word called tamald, T-A-L-M-U-D. Quote-unquote, it means natural or born. So eunuchs are not necessarily just missing anything, Lord Jesus. There are folks who come through. you got to talk to my intersex folks or my gender non-conforming folks who will tell you that I'm not missing anything at the point of removal. I don't need to be cured because when you go through the Jewish piece, there is a natural piece inside of me that cannot change who God made me to be. Amen. You can. You can try to tell. This is why when they did those shock therapy things and, uh, you know, the gay, anti-gay movements and try to shock it out of you and do all this stuff, why it didn't change people's stuff. There's another reason why, and I'm getting ready to get in trouble again, not the first time <laughs> and the show won't be the last time. Why, well, when you go to con- convocation, you know, you go to convocation, you know what I'm talking about, the fashion, the hairdressers convocation. Mm. And they're walking with their man bags, and they got pops for death. They are looking mighty good and fierce. And they're sitting there, and they're married to a woman. And you scratch your head, you say, what in the world is really going on? How the hand fact did this happen? Well, we're not judging. But what we do know is that there are people who keep trying to deny what is happening inside of us. And what the world has done is caused us to limit our, our beings as just sexual. I am more than my sexual being. Because, see, the reality is when you look at the eunuchs, I can still be saying in the loving and not have consensual loving uh, activity. You know, grown folks stuff. You know, that, that, yeah. y'all know what I'm talking about. And still be who I am because God made me the way I am. I am... And this is going to mess up some conservative folks, so let me say I love you now. And matter of fact, you can send your ties for this one because this will bless you real good. God made me in God's image, Lord, did you? See, that really jacks up people's theology, that, 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 that in the midst of that, that me too, I too, we have been made in God's image. Now, that will mess up somebody's theology, wasn't it? I was born this way, but I have to believe that when I look at the eunuchs and look at all of the life's journey, God was in intrinsically thinking about how God wanted to use my voice, my blackness, my male identifiedness, my human stuff, my emotional side, your femininity, or the lack thereof. God is clear. God doesn't make mistakes and, you know, just haphazardly smack stuff on us. It's the doctors who slap the label on some of us that did not mm. fit. Here we are. Mm. Amen. Mm. Pastor. All right, all right. Pastor, pastor, pastor. I I'm just sitting here like, oh, oh my. I my my grandmother would probably be like, I can't I can't even digest all this information right now. You you was teaching me. <laughs> It takes time, though, and the reality is um, 
imagine how many people's lives we would save from suicide, the young people's lives mm-hmm. we would yes. save from suicide, if we yes. would just get out of, one, number one, the bedroom, <laughs> hello, <laughs> and number two, allow people to be who they are and not feel like, I said it today in, in my sermon, is I'm not created to fit a box. I, that, that God never mm-hmm. created, that's not God's intentionality. Even when you look at the disciples, that was some bunch, Lord have mercy. For Jesus to wash the feet of someone who was going to kiss him and betray and lie on him, you cannot tell me that God didn't love me because I try not to betray the Lord and the calling that I have in my life. Amen? That's some powerful stuff. But the church folk, not talking about believers, they would rather have an adulterer. They would rather have somebody who steal and lie and run game on you in the name of the Lord and have somebody who is a strange and the loving person who's Holy Ghost still and treat the people right and serve the homeless and the prison ministry and do all that stuff. They, they, they'd rather have a pimp in the pulpit than have a priest in the house who knows who uh-huh. they are. That's a problem for me. That's a problem for me. It's a problem. Uh, no, he didn't go there. Yes, he did. <laughs> he went there. He went there indeed. Well, I have a follow-up question, um, not related to the discussion, but I, it's similar. The question is, why do we not see the manifestation of miraculous healing being performed in the United States versus other countries? Because if you look on TV, all these different shows, you see all these healings taking place in other countries. Why is it not happening here in the United States, in your opinion? Well, I don't know if I agree that it's not happening here, because there are many folks who are on this call. I am a product of a miraculous healing in my life. Um, And you have to dial back and really have some deep conversation about what is healing. See, sometimes we're only looking at, well, I can walk now, and you were crippled before. But there are folks on this call, including myself, who needed some emotional healing, some mental healing. There are, there are folks around me, amen. Amen, hello somebody, who had church hurt and have been through some mm-hmm. horrific stuff that we talk about and we lose. So part of the reason why I share that is because, yes, the, to me, God healing someone, you know, with diabetes or heart problems, things like that, that's easy. God can do that very easy. I mean, there's too many references of God telling you get up and walk. What's harder is, is the healings that are not readily visible. And part of that mm. is we are still embarrassed by some of our stuff so we don't share it. So we don't get to see God moving in other people's lives. Amen, somebody. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. I, I tell the folks about stuff I've been through. They know it's 17 years for me that I have been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and still going strong. I know what the doctor said back in 1999. But I also mm-hmm. talk about the emotional pains and struggles and being put out of stuff. That is healing. you got to tell people. Because when they see you living, you are the living epistle. You are the priesthood of God. Amen. You shared that. So, yes, I see all the movement and things that are happening there, but there are people around me getting healed. They're coming out of the hospital all the time. Look, there are people, I had my appendix removed last year. Now, they didn't, we shouted over that because I came out, and there were other people who went in with the same surgery that did not come out. I don't take none of that for granted. There are people who are giving birth. It did not come out of their birth. Amen. Amen. Some real stuff. 
talk about it more, but it does happen. It does happen. God is still doing miracles. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Pastor Phelps, <laughs> with the plethora of church reality shows that are making a mockery of religion and spirituality, why should people still go to church? Well, you know, uh, first, first I do want to answer your question let you know is that um, even sometimes I make a mockery of religion because religion for me is just a habitual habit that points us in some direction, but I'm seeing it less and less pointing me to God and the redemptive mm. loving power of God. So mm-hmm. I can see why religion is all jacked up. It's always been jacked up. That's why mm-hmm. even Jesus turned the tables a couple of times and got upset with the folks because religion jacked them up. That's why Jesus came. Because in the Old Testament, religion was jacking them up. If, if we were left with religion, we would still be sacrificing cows and, you know, and, and not being allowed to go into the holies of holies. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to tore the tent. And one scripture writer yeah. says, tore it from up the top, the, from bottom to up, amen, and ripped it. Because now we have access to what I call relationship. So yeah. they are making a mockery because there are some things that just don't make no sense why we mm-hmm. do some of the things that we're doing. And it is interesting that you cannot say that you believe God. And I challenge the ministers and the deacons and leaders of the church all the time. Don't live one way at Bethel and then turn around on your Facebook page something and you're totally a different person. You, you, you yeah. can't do that. Because you jack up people's walks and journey. doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get a little angsty or I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not trying to strive to be perfect, but I know that I'm living to be whole in my relationship. Religion will mess you up. It will jack you up. Because it, it tells you that you're supposed to fit in. I was telling yeah. the folks uh, one of the weeks ago, I think it was last week, about how I would get my money and try to dress a certain way and wear shoes and, you know, all this kind of foolishness to try to fit in because it was about the religious talk, the mandate that they put on me. But when I yeah. got a new relationship with God, I didn't worry about that. So, and the reality, and the truth is, uh, I don't watch those shows because I don't need to see those shows. I mm-hmm. already know, I've lived it. I've been to enough conferences and enough things, and I get enough preachers even today who secretly are on the low, hello, or <laughs> want to ask, come and preach at Bethel or sing at Bethel or whatever it is. Amen. Ain't nobody singing or preaching. We got enough folks right here at Bethel to do all that. Amen. Okay. <laughs> but your religion will jack you up if you're not careful. It will. Amen. Yeah. It will. And that money, that greed, that power, that stuff, and people lifting you up and doing that, you will forget about your calling. Some of these folks had callings on their lives. Yeah. But people and money and power and stuff jacked you up and moved you away from this. Amen. I wish that some of these folks who were running around, you know, would come to Bethel one time and just sit with me for a week and we wash floors together. And I want to hear them go back to the places where they would sing the songs that got them through when they didn't have no money or didn't have mm. the cars and the lands. Wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be yes, something? Lord. I want yes, them Lord. to be at the place where you can still hug people and know your members by name. Wouldn't that be something? Mm. You can mm. walk up the street and the drunks and the prostitutes will come to you and say, that's my pastor. But they ain't more been in their church but one time in two years. But that's my, that's my pastor right there. Y'all leave him alone. 
Religion will drag you up, but relationship with God will save you. Your other question is, yes, you should still go to church, but you've got to be careful that you're not becoming a church-minded person, that you're becoming a believer, that you are a worshiper, that you're there first to give something to God yourself, amen, and to give something. And once you've reconciled that, God can use you to bless people around you. Even your enemies will watch how they treat you when you go to worship. Come on. And that's why I want to ask you, because, you know, some of the things we hear so often, especially when we want to do shows on religion, people will will give that other side. You know, I've been hurt. Um, Everybody out here is just pimping, you know, their church members. And, you know, there's so much falsehood. They're living double lives. They're just out for the money. So for those people who really want that relationship with God, they're lost, they have past hurts, how do they, what is your advice on how they find that? Because a lot of people feel like I can just sit home, I, I don't want to be with those mean church people, I don't want to be put in that position again, I'm going to sit home, I'm going to watch T.D. Jakes or the Word Network or what have you, and I'm going to give money when I feel like it to different religious organizations or whoever asked me for it on the 1-800 number on TV, but <laughs> their soul is yearning for that relationship, but they're scared or they're hurt and broken, and they don't know how to find that place that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. So what, mm-hmm. what advice do you give to them? Well, you know, first of all, you do have to do your homework. It is so important to be able to do your homework and to figure out why do you keep being drawn to these places. You know, it is, I don't know about you all, but uh, it's, it's an unhealthy, abusive relationship. And at some point, when you get to a place where you open your eyes, because you know you could be looking, but your eyes ain't open, and mm. you wonder, why do I keep picking the same kind of people and keep going and doing the same thing? Amen? And I mm-hmm. will say this to you. It is interesting because there's some folk who struggle to come to Bethel, not the folk who come to Bethel, because they still secretly loathe who they are. So they will mm-hmm. go to these churches that will use their gift, misuse their gift, because they feel like they're paying some penance, you know, that, that mm-hmm. okay, I should get zapped, I should get hit. And so when I came out with a black eye, you know, and I hate to use this analogy, but it's the truth. They feel like mm-hmm. it is what is due me. I'm due for an annual beatdown because I keep living this quote-unquote lifestyle. Lord, I said mm-hmm. it almost bit my tongue. But the reality <laughs> is... Just like in any other unhealthy relationship, you've got to take a step back and say, why do I keep going? Why am I sowing in this? Why am I fearful? And you start having, I, I really, really recommend you have some good conversation with yourself. You know, you look at that, that brother in the pig side, you know, uh, <laughs> who ran away and got greedy, amen, uh, the prodigal son. And he had to go in the way he took his money. He went running. But part of the story that was so powerful for me, he didn't start having conversation until he was at his worst. He had yeah. lost all his money. Amen. He had given it away and sold it away. And he was mm-hmm. right in that big pen when he had a relationship with God that said, why am I doing this? I don't have to live this way. There's something better for me waiting at home. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is, how do you get yourself up out of that area? 
find people and churches that are going to love you and not beat you, that are going to challenge you mm. and push you. Prayerfully, if you're on the call today, that you'll get resources and get folks who will undergird you and give you strength and power and encouragement to say, you have to stay there and get beat. You don't have to wonder, is this a Sunday I get beat? Is this a Sunday where this is going to happen? And then that last mm. thing that I want to share is people are known by the fruit that they bear. Amen. Mm. All around, they're known by the fruit that they bear. And one of the things that's important to me in my integrity and in my character, I don't strive to be perfect, but I try to make sure that my word is bond. If I say, mm. mean something, I do something, and you treat people a certain way, that's how I stand and how I live on principle and in character. And that's what we need more of. And when you start seeing that, if I make a mistake or if I have an error, it's less impactful in the negative because my intentionality is not the same as someone who's constantly trying to maneuver and manipulate you. Amen. So, so, right. so, so I would say to the person, you can go ahead and watch the folks on TV. You can do what you need to do. But at some point, the word of the Lord, I pray, will make a connection with you because the word of the Lord reminds us to not forsake the assembly that means the gathering, the personal mm-hmm. connection of your presence in a house of the Lord. Amen. You, you're you not going to get everything. You'll get a little something. You'll get a little refresher. Amen. A booster. It's like charging your iPhone. You'll, you'll bump it up a little bit, but you're <laughs> not going to get the life-changing connection unless you're around other people who are crying with you and praying with you and celebrating and walking with you and fasting with you. You need that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, Paul. Well, Pastor Phelps, I, I'm going to shift things and ask you this question. Um, given given that with this Black Lives Matter movement and, and the recent cases like Tamir Rice and Sandra Bland and all the killings, which role do you do you think the church plays in politics and in and, and that role with, you know, this whole movement that we have going on? Sure. Well, I, I certainly believe that the church has always been called uh, to be a voice for the entire community, absolutely. And uh, there have been folks who have balanced this extremely well. Um, we are called to be social change agents, and you can't do that just by singing uh, Jesus Loves Me and praying for the folk. If you look through people like Martin Luther King and other folks who walked and were believers, amen, they put their boots on the ground. They did some work and some actions. They showed up peacefully. There's a way to be able to do that. Now, some people may disagree with me, not necessarily Bethel folks, but we are called to participate in the change that we expect to see. And so, yeah, we're going to show up at the hearings and show up and know what's going on. There are times even in our own area where we live, there's a rash of shootings and things like that. Guess who I was sitting there talking to? I didn't go talk to, you know, the store owner. I wanted to talk to <laughs> our police chief. Amen. I need, uh, Sister Kathy, you and I need to have a conversation. Amen. I know other folk in line, but I'm going to wait right here because I need you to know that you've got a group of folk here who are not only praying for you, but we're ready to put our hands and our feet on the ground. We're supposed to be the voice. We're supposed to educate. We're supposed to vote. Hello, somebody. We're supposed mm. to empower. We're supposed to make sure that the places where God puts us, there is change. Amen. It's something wrong when you see churches sitting in places that are dying around you and there's no voice. 
Jesus turned over the tables and told the Pharisees, who are all about the rules and politics, things like that, you all are wrong, and spoke out against them about all that stuff. Your politics are jacked up. Amen. Mm. So I believe that God has called us to be holy troublemakers, and we can Mm. do that. There's biblical reference to that. And we need to make sure that we do that. Even if it ain't nothing but us sitting down, you know what, see, now you're going to make me call a sit-in someplace. Y'all going to make oh. me go back to my roots. <laughs> you to just do it. Amen. But here's the challenge, uh, my brother, that happens. We sometimes only think that movements happen when we're loud or when we're mm. violent. We don't have to be violent or alienate the, the people who are our oppressors. We have to learn to listen and learn to conversate. One of the things that I learned a long time ago in leadership is good leaders understand what the opposer is going to say before you go to battle. You, you already know what they're going to do. You don't, you don't go to fight unless you already know what kind of weapons they have. Amen. Hmm. So you can get prepared, number one. You've got to be prepared for how it's going to feel when it hits you and impacts you. But you also got to know how to stand. And what we've done too too many times in some of these movements is gotten like the folks who are our oppressors. We become the oppressors. We become angry people, and then there's no love of God that shines through. We can be holy hellraisers. But there should mm. be love in that, respect. I shouldn't have to kill you and start cussing and threatening and doing this stuff, but I can tell you what you're doing is wrong. I need more housing. We need more money. I need more police on the street. I can talk about how the kids across the street don't have a store in the community in which Bethel is, and why is it? I can look out of my window and see them eating honey buns for breakfast. That's a problem for me when I see folk eating out of the trash can in front of Bethel Christian Church. That's a problem for me that there's not enough beds in the shelter. We ought to give voice to that. And then I say to these politicians, if you don't want to do it, give us the money and the resources, and we'll be glad to do it at Bethel Christian Church. Amen, somebody. So I don't just come with the problem, but I come with solutions. Amen. And the church, let me tell you something that we've gotten away from. The church and the public school used to be the nucleus where you would have clout and power and respect. You would respect that teacher, respect that principal. Yeah. No matter if you saw him in the grocery store, you would just be in awe. You would just stop and snap back. And the same thing that would happen to the preaching pastor. And now, with so many shenanigans, people don't even buzz. They don't even care. They, 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 they don't even, there's no respect. There's no, no nothing. Amen. It's just <laughs> something's wrong. You see what I'm saying? We've lost it. And part of it is because we're not making the systematic changes that God has called us to be. So that's a long way to answer your question. But as you can tell, Bethel is a social justice ministry. We don't take nothing nothing for granted. Amen. And we hold our elected officials accountable for work that they said they were going to do. Amen. Wow. All right. Okay, so, Pastor Darren, this is Will. You know, you have given us a lot of information, a lot of good information, answering a lot of questions. But my next question, so in this line, we get a lot of people who come in who are new because we're a military town, who come in, they're looking for, you know, recommendations for restaurants, housing, and also churches. And I'm surprised when people come in and um, I, I share with them where I go, and one of the questions they always ask is, you know, is it a big church? Is it a mega church? Like, they're really drawn to that. But on the very flip side, it's a lot of critics who point to the megachurch and the enormous mm-hmm. amount of money that perhaps the pastors or the leaders 
make versus, you know, the income or the demographics of their their members. So mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. feel or at what point do you feel pastors, you know, should stop taking wages from their parishioners or do you think maybe there should be a cap on their income and then any overflow, perhaps maybe you return to the church or the community or anything like that? How do you feel about that? You know, that, again, you ask, you need a whole other hour to unpack that. <laughs> so, so, but let me let me tell you this: I don't have a problem with churches that have grown and become quote unquote mega. Uh, even in our sides of our congregation, we have a mega vision, and God will allow us to do mega stuff. My problem mm-hmm. comes is when you have a large church. And all you're doing is is for folks that are just your members. So, for example, I know firsthand, this is not secondhand knowledge, where there are pastors who, you know, will fight to get a helicopter or fight to get these things, but you only, you're exclusive. You only take care of your folk. And you've got to check off that box, and you've got to be paying your tithes before we take care of you, and they look through the road. That's a problem for me. Amen. That you limit what you're doing to just your folks. Like, that that's a problem. I often tell the folks at Bethel that that's not what we call to do. Now, business meetings, I can see where you keep just your family and folks who are intrinsic to the life of the church, but there is nothing that we do that's called ministry that's not open to other folks, whether your name's on the roll or not. So mm-hmm. that question about should they get paid, I believe people should be blessed. People should be giving, but they should be held accountable. People should be working. When people are working and doing, you don't have a problem with blessing them and sowing seeds and giving what right. they want. Amen. I don't have a problem with them being millionaires and doing that. As long as you do a million-dollar ministry, I don't care how much mm-hmm. money you make. But as long as you're striving to eradicate the things that are happening in your community, I don't have a problem with. Now, where I have a problem with is if you shut down the church and you tell people, y'all ain't leaving here until I get such and such, such and such, or blah, 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 you make it guilty. Oh. Stuff, that, that's when I have a problem. That's when I have a problem, hmm. you know, about how you are uh, manipulating, coercing the people and doing those kinds of things. So, you know, mm-hmm. people choose. People need different things and different ministry. There's some folk who, you know, they're not going to come to a small or mid-sized church for whatever reason. It is what it is. They need intimacy. Some people feel lost in the big church, and then some people are the complete opposite. Amen. So, you know, it is what it is. But the reality is, are you going, why are you going there? What what brings you there? Are you being fed? Are you being blessed? Can you work? Uh, are, are you, you know, what do you need when you're getting there? Amen. And then what's happening in the life and the breath of the ministry? Is there teaching? Is there education? Is there prayer happening? Do you? Hmm. Let me tell you something that I told somebody one time when they left and they went to go look for a church. They moved somewhere. I said, what you've got to do when you look for another church is two things. One, if your pastor is not praying and not engaged in worship, then what do you think that's going to say to other folks? See, one thing about me, I don't have an entourage. I don't need an entourage. It's, it's funny how folk will barely have five members, and they got three of them walking in and carrying and wiping their head and doing those little just amen. You don't need to walk in with me. I'm coming by myself and carrying my own Bible. Amen, somebody. But I'm going to be there to worship. Amen. Because I came to worship just like you came to worship. Now, yes, I came to preach and share word, but make no doubt about it. I came to worship God, 
And when you see that, that's going to draw you. And you can tell the difference when somebody's a fake and when somebody's real mm-hmm. and somebody's just in it for the money and got the big head and lost their way. You begin to pray mm-hmm. yourself and you do that stuff. So, no, I don't have a problem with all that. Because Bethel is getting ready to get birth to other ministries in different parts and different cities and things. You know, think that, that's getting ready to happen. Amen. God will use you and create and do those kinds of things and branch out. But again, you know, I just that I gave that God into that person, and God will uh, 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 illuminate God's self in you and tell you where you're supposed to be. All right, so I answered it that way. But there's a lot more in that question. I ain't gonna touch right there. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> you did good. Thank you. Uh, hey, Pastor Darren, um, what are the active actions you believe should be enforced? When pastors and church leaders are found guilty of sleeping with their lay members. Jesus. Repeat that question again because I had an out of body experience. Amen. <laughs> okay. So, what do you feel are the corrective actions that should be enforced when pastors and church leaders are found guilty of sleeping with their lay members? Mm. Jesus have mercy, Lord. Why are you asking me these questions? Didn't I tell you that it worked me? They don't better work me to do that, Lord Jesus. Um, so, you know, y'all don't have enough time to answer these questions. I'm going to tell you that. Yes. You know, when we, let me share this because I think this is important. Um, you know, there are plenty of churches whose leaders, male and female identified, have been accused and founded of sleeping through their folks. One of the things that I am proud about is that uh, that, that doesn't happen at Bethel. That, that you cannot say that I have slept through the folks that are there at Bethel Christian. You just, you just cannot say that. Amen. It just... It just is what it is, um, and I, and that is just the way it will be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so, but the reality is, is that the deeper question is, is people are drawn in the flesh to leadership and enticed by those things. So you can talk about corrective action. We can talk about sitting them down or sending them the counseling and all these kinds of things. But the reality is. Is how we set up these mechanisms of this, what I call these sexual uh, uh, tendencies and these inappropriate moments that should not happen before it even gets to the full engagement. Y'all, are y'all following me? Amen, somebody. Mm. That, that, that's where the problem comes in. And I'm trying not to go and talk about conferences, things I've been at, and, and know that it is real, though. It is real, even in same-gender-loving households and churches. I'm talking about churches where that happens. But I do believe that should someone who is under my leadership that's with me and they have these tendencies and want to sleep through, I don't have a problem with calling them out. And some of you on the call know that I have approached folk and said, we're we just not going to have that here. We just we can't do that here. Amen, somebody. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me. Amen. That out of all the folk in the world, in Washington, D.C., in Ward 8, amen, that God brought your boo right here, a new convert. You, you, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that you Holy Ghost field and you don't know how to wait and control yourself 
and allow the person or allow God to 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 to, to make up the proper uh, connection. You see, you you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that something's really wrong. Amen. And I often tell leaders at Bethel, you got to watch that. This is not the dating game. We've got to watch what we do because you'll get known by that stuff. Amen. And there's some mm-hmm. churches who are known by some horrible words that we can't use because I don't want to shame my mama. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That mm-hmm. just can't keep it to themselves. Am I talking good today? You can't. you got to learn to keep it to yourself. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But the other reality is we also have to put safeguards because there are people who will be on the prowl, who will do things and try to set you up. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I don't meet with folk in my office. Yeah, even the same gender loving folk. You're you just not going to come in my office unless I know what's going on. That's just not going to happen, you know. There's folk, you know, I'm not going to hug you inappropriately. I'm not going to do anything any different. You know what I'm saying? There's just certain things. You're going to try the spirit by the spirit. You see what I'm saying? You've mm-hmm. you got to watch all these things. And that's a whole other level of classes, and it's called ethics. Amen. Hmm. That we need to be mindful of. So, uh, so I answer that question that way. But you know, I think it's less about pu- being punitive and more about all the other stuff that's systemic in the church hmm. and what's going on. It, it really is. And let me and let me let me share this other thing because sometimes when we have young people, you will never find me have a young person or somebody in my car. They, they, that's not going to happen. I don't take people home. <laughs> I will okay. find you a ride, but you're not riding with me, boo. I don't care who you is. They mean you're not. <laughs> I mean, you just have to because even if you're not doing nothing and your intentions are right, somebody else will see it, and it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's, you can't get that mm-hmm. back. I love Bethel too much than to cause that level of stain on the ministry in which yeah. they and we have built with our sweat and our tears and our prayers. Amen. I'm not going out like that. Amen. I'm not I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, Pastor, here's another hot button question for you. The affirming church versus traditional church. And I'm going to say with traditional church, what we're going to define that as in this question is a church where homosexuality is viewed as a sin. Mm-hmm. Do you Yep, do you think homosexual members who want to lead ministry in a traditional church should have to reveal their homosexual status, or are they free to not disclose that to the membership and leadership of said traditional church? <laughs> well, all right. Um, you know what? You, y'all going to owe me a dinner or something, Lord Jesus. It's all the way. Uh, Alicia. Let me talk to you. Nobody else is on the phone, just you and I. Amen. Just you and I. Affirming churches are not the same as inclusive churches. This is true. So I also want to be clear about that, that we make a clear distinction. Bethel is uh, an inclusive church, and I'm going I'm to get to your question, but I want to be clear. Affirming mm-hmm. means that you can be gay and come in here and we won't talk bad about you, but you can come in here and we'll use your gift. But inclusive churches says you make all the announcements, you and your boo can get married here, we'll have straight people, we'll have black people, we'll have differently mm-hmm. able people, gender nonconforming people, black people, white people, different 
people from different economic backgrounds. Amen. You could have just been eating out of the trash and talk about how you shot up, and then four months later talk about how God has called you to preach, and you can take that journey to preaching, and there'll be no condemnation because it's an mm-hmm. inclusive church. Okay. Hello, somebody. So affirming right. churches ain't there, but inclusive churches are. So there is a risk of being transparent in your truth. I would wonder why do you who's asking the question? Who's asking me about if I'm gay, same gender loving or non conforming, gender non conforming or not? Why why why? what's the question? What's the basis of the question? Because again, you only slice is a piece of me. My sexuality is just a piece of me. Now, some of it is you got preachers on the low and they want to sort of figure out where you are and know what's going on and how they can use you or manipulate you and get all that stuff. But your question goes much deeper than all of that. Should they reveal who they are and their status to to become what? To lead in ministry? Amen. Mm-hmm. I would say absolutely not, but you make a choice. If you're going to lead in a place that's only affirming and not inclusive, then you are leaving a part of you someplace else. Amen. You, you, mm. You're leaving a part of you someplace else. That's just like, uh, uh, I don't know if there's anybody. I know I have some folks on the call who are same gender loving, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, et cetera, on this call. And you keep going to the Christmas party and the holiday party. Everybody talking about their booze and their kids and they sing and they play the flute. Amen. And you just sit there and you use this generic language. Yeah, my partner or my love. But you never say my partner's name is Leslie or Betty or Monica or Peggy. You you never talk about it like that. You see, you just, you you do the dance. Amen. Which ultimately... Puts you in bondage. It makes you lose who you are. So I don't know if the risk is worthy if you're going to get what you need in your leadership because if they're only affirming, is that a place where you want to take that risk? If they're only limited in their thinking, they're limited in their ministry, limited in their ability and how they can minister with you or use you. Now the other question is, if they're trying to use your gifts and use your whole self, you bring your kids and your family, your five dogs, the parakeet, the turtle, and everything, and say, <laughs> I is gay. I love some men. I love women. I'm gender nonconforming. I'm transgender. Amen. I am who I am. And then they begin to use you in the conversation to become inclusive. Then, yes, you would do that. But traditionally, I would hasten. Depending on who that leader is, I would be cautious about how I approach that because it may cause you more damage. You think you've been hurt before when people only suspected that you were in the same gender-loving group. And when I say gay, I don't mean to disrespect anybody who is lesbian, bisexual, transgender. I'm just really using it as an umbrella. Um, so, again, it's a risk. You've got to decide what that risk is based on the church, based on what it is. But I would not. If they were only affirming, I I would not. I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it unless there's some movement towards being inclusive. All right now. Well, well, Pastor, I have another question for you, and it's, it's a good one. And, and, and I, I can't wait. They all been good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you, this one, this is one has that's 
been a personal question for me and a, a reason why I have issues with some of the church experiences I've had. And and the question is, what are your thoughts on church being run as a business? And some examples that I have is um, there was an individual recently who passed away, and the church looked at how much she gave and decided that she could not be buried there because she didn't oh. give. Oh, yeah. She couldn't have um, the chicken dinner for for the yeah, 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 um, yeah. after. And also I've heard cases of individuals not being able to get married at a church because oh, yeah. they haven't given a certain amount of money. Um, and then right. that sounds like a business to me, personally. And I just mm-hmm. want to know your thoughts. Yeah. Well, all of that is just egregious and how horrible that is that people would get that. I, I did read and hear about that, and I, I've heard a lot of stories and even some firsthand witnesses, and and we have, without sharing in great detail, we've had folks who've asked me to come and, you know, do their weddings or do their funerals because the pastor wouldn't do it or whatever's going on. I mean, life has been really interesting as I start thinking about all this stuff. But, you know, here's the reality. The Bible does speak that we should be, people should be good in business. When When you separate now, these are two different things, let me be clear. That means that we should be orderly. We should function in a way that we manage the affairs well. One of the things that's great, I don't know about you, but I've been to churches where <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing, where they've had to cancel service because, you know, they, they didn't pay their bills. They didn't do things going on. That pastor sure had a new car. You know, amen. Well, and I'm like, hey, I'm just speaking the truth because this is what I witnessed and I knew what was going on. And you'd be surprised. I have been places where churches who are in some size, large mega churches, they lay folk off, amen, because they did not manage the bills and the things they were going. God calls us to do those things and to do those things well, amen. And that's what the scripture references talks about, about being business. If I was, and we will get grant money or responsibility to do things, whatever, they expect us to execute that with in a in a, in in wisdom, amen. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be wise in the business. But that other shenanigans that you're talking about, that has nothing to do with God. That's about people and power and control and manipulating and being exclusive, amen. That 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 ain't nothing Bible in that. Ain't nothing about God in that. None of that, amen. So yes, I believe that we should be good stewards over what we're doing and manage those things. The lights get paid, all those things that happen, amen. The roof get get fixed, whatever those things happen. You got to do that, amen. You gotta you gotta be clear about that, amen. Pay your bills. Musicians should be paid. You should do those kinds of things, amen. Very very important. And I believe that God will bless you and continue to minister to you and do those kind of things. But like I said, that those shenanigans you're talking about, my heart grieves. When I hear of that stuff in the name of the church, that's not how I see God and see the church. That's not how God. God's not going to put you out because you don't have any money. There are folks at Bethel right now. If something were to happen to them and they couldn't bury their loved ones or whatever it is, we would do the best that we could, amen, to support them. We don't have a whole lot of money like Will and Alicia and the rest of y'all on it. We just don't have it. Amen. But I promise you, I promise you, you, we going to do what we need to do, amen, to make sure that we're a family and we're believers okay. and we're connected, we do that. And, and, and I, let me tell you something else that's also important because you brought this up about not getting married. You know, when we uh, select leaders, people of deacons or people different like that, I don't go to their list to see what they gave. 
I don't say give me a report, but I know that there are pastors who do that. They want to know what they've given, mm-hmm. what they've done. I don't, I don't, I don't need to know that because that's their personal relationship. Amen. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I just feel that that's inappropriate. We become God. We become judgmental. Amen. Mm. You know, this, these are all issues for me in the church. Lord have mercy. I'm gonna let that go. I'm starting to rock, so I'm gonna leave this alone. That's not a good, not a good sign when I'm rocking like that. Uh oh. <laughs> Well, Pastor Darren, we're coming actually to the last question for the evening. And I want to just thank right. you for coming on to, I don't know if you were yes. on earlier, this is our final episode for the show for quite some yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I wanted to thank you for coming on on behalf of all of us. But um, the yes. question I have, actually you've answered it pretty much, but do you believe that the American, that, that the, the the church in America needs uh, church reform? Do you think that America needs oh, that? Yeah, 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 they do. Uh, we all do, um, and it's going to start with our with folks who are coming in, such as Bethel, being pioneering and being radical. And let me say this because I do want to th- put this piece in there. You know, Bethel embraces the Bible. Uh, there is both the written word, the rima and the logos of God speaking, and God continues to speak. Amen? There are mm-hmm. things that when they wrote the holy text and they canalized the Bible, that were not present that are present now. Amen? We got text mm-hmm. messages and Facebook and all things now. They didn't foresee technology and the things that's happening. God's Holy Spirit still talks to us and illuminates and has conversation with us. That's why God gave us the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, so that we would not get stuck in those places of our past. But what happens is you realize that when you reform things, you have to also think about what is under all of that stuff that keeps you from the uh, the, 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 the things that you want to get to. Amen. And I believe, Will, we don't really know where we want to go or we are afraid of it because it's uncharted territory. And it's funny mm. that you ask question, because part of my sermon this morning, my sermon title is God is, something strange is going on. That was my sermon Mm. title. Man, because, you know, and I told the people, they're strange, because, you know, the Bible says you are a peculiar people. You're chosen. Amen. You're you're a holy generation. We're strange. Amen. You get what I'm saying? We're strange. And when you look at Webster and Miriam, they both agree that strange means unusual, unfamiliar, And I believe that God is doing that for us. And sometimes the church and the folk who are still doing the doily wailing and the things that's happening and keep putting us back in the ways that we were, something's wrong. I'm going to tell you this, mm. and then I'm going to be quiet because I know you got to go. I took a journey uh, a couple of weeks ago and went to my great-grandfather's church, and he passed mm. in church forever. It's my foundation, amen. He showed me how to love people and do whatever. When I walked in that church, it was emotional for me. One, because, of course, I sat in the place where my grandmother did. She both pinched me and gave me mint. You know, that she did both at the <laughs> same time. Sometimes. Said I am, get mint. You know how that is. But do you realize, <laughs> as much as I love that church, they still doing the same thing that they did when I was a child. Mm. The same movement. 
And you and and people are gonna wonder, well, what am I talking about? God builds on every season in our lives, but I mean the exact same thing. It's like they got hmm. stuck in time. And this is why we need uh, a reform and uh, get God to move some things and shake us up. So remember, yeah. God's called us to be strange and to do things different and unusual. Amen. Yeah. And we'll, let me tell you what they did. My cousin is the assistant pastor now. She called me up to pray. And when I got up to pray, Lord Jesus, and I talked, I did what I had to do, and I talked. They wanted to huck a button, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was like a whole other world. But as soon as they got there, they came right back down. They're like, whoa, whoa. And you know why? I learned right. a valuable lesson that this was unfamiliar. I didn't know I could do that. And they came right back down again. And when we think about uh, reform movement, we can't afford to keep going back to those places that are unhealthy, undesirable, that are violent, that are atrocious, that are stinky, that are unhealthy, that are imbalanced mm. for us. We can't afford to go to the places that cause us mental fits anymore. You should not be in a church that causes you those places. Hello, somebody. Drop mm. in right there. Amen. Mm. Amen. Pastor Darren, thank you so much. Can you share your, your church's information, how they can? Because yeah. uh, I know one of our, our co-hosts already said when she's in D.C., She's coming to see you. What's the website and the address for your church? I'm on the Bethel, BethelDC.org, www.bethelDC.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Lord have mercy. We are, we's all over the place. <laughs> <But> you go <laughs> on BethelDC.org, www.bethelDC.org. You can find us on there. And, of course, you can right. Facebook us at Bethel Christian Church DC. You can Google us there. Right. Or you can look me up as well. That's fine. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Darren. We Thank you. you yes, yes, yes. Have a good evening. All right, you all be blessed. Have a great one and be safe. You all as right. well, Thank Pastor. Bye-bye. 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 As we yes, thought. He was yes, yeah, definitely. Can't think of nobody better to end the finale with. Exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole two hours, he went hard, just like we knew he was. Yes. So that's that's why we love them. Exactly. But so we've come to the end of the the road almost. You know? Can we play boys and men in the background? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know it don't take much for me. It don't take much for me. Me neither. I know. But um I just wanted to take a moment to thank each one of you for taking time out to um help me fulfill a dream of mine. I know everyone um Hopefully took a, took advantage of the opportunity, um, and I've seen a lot of things come out of it. I remember when everybody came on the show and everybody was nervous, and to see you turn into the little journalist that you are, it really excites me. But I wanted to thank you for um, taking this journey with me. And like I said, the show is not going away. We're taking a hiatus so that we can all concentrate on some, some more pressing priorities that we have at hand. Um, but we will be back. The show will be back um, towards the, the summer, probably late May, June. Um, so stay tuned. Look out for that. Does anyone have any final words that they want to say before I give the, the last sign-off? Peace, prosperity, and joy. <laughs> That's you know, right. Love and blessings. Love All right. Well, like I said, we're not going to say goodbye, but we're going to say so long for right now and just continue to walk in faith and favor. 
And um, just continue to trust God. So until next time, everybody be blessed. You too. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.